Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast, the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and on today's special interview episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with director Jean-Marc Pichet. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to remind you all to please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews, especially those five-star reviews. Those always help. Uh, Also, please be sure to check out the Facebook page for the show, I Must Break This Podcast. Here you can stay up to date on the show, the career of Mr. Dolph Lundgren, and other news regarding action cinema in general. So if you're not already following the page, please feel free to like it, share it, and continue being a fan. Uh, Lastly, if you'd like to get in contact with me with ideas, suggestions, or thoughts on the show in general, you can take a look at the official webpage for the show, which is imustbreakthispodcast.wordpress.com. Now, on to today's episode. Uh, On today's conversation, we're going back to a film that we've discussed previously on the podcast, 1999's The Minion. Only this time, Jean-Marc Pichet, the director of The Minion, dropped by the show to tell us about his experiences directing the film, which just so happened to be his very first feature film directing gig. In The Minion, Dolph plays Father Lucas, a warrior monk who travels to New York to prevent the arrival of the Antichrist. Every stranger I meet could hide the enemy. Every human being I touch, I may have to kill. Please let this be the last. Deep below New York City. I think it's more than a burial chamber. An ancient evil is unleashed. Let this be some huge archaeological find. Look at his eye! Forget about the key and everything that happened. Go on with your life. What is so important about this key? He unlocks a door. A door to a prison. Dolph Lundgren. An ancient demon. His freedom will mean the end of everything. I'm again. The end of the world. The Minion. It's a fun movie that delivered something we hadn't seen yet from Dolph in his career. He gets to squash demons with a badass spiked glove sanctioned by the church. While the film may have its shortcomings in terms of special effects, it still deserves special mention for the inventive character and story that's crafted around Dolph. In this conversation, Jean-Marc took me through the genesis of the film, how he became attached, and the creative troubles that brewed on the set of the film over 20 years ago. We also chat the current state of cinema 
in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and what he's currently working on for the next year. As always, it was a fun conversation and a true privilege being able to speak with yet another director who's worked alongside the man himself, while also getting to flex his own creative filming chops. So, without further ado, we're going to jump right into the conversation. Here is Jean-Marc Pichet telling me about the beginnings of his film career, going from music videos to landing his very first feature film directing gig with The Minion. Enjoy. Well, the, 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 the first I was, I was um, doing, like a lot of guys are like this, music videos. I did music videos. I did some music videos for Walt Disney and, and you know, a couple of different artists. And uh, after that, I went into advertising, advertising. And uh, one day, a you know, producer called me, some producer, he said, uh, Abby Nesser. Um, he was in the, he was in Los Angeles and he saw something that I did and he said uh, you know uh, we have a movie so I said okay I read the script and I, I called him back and I said uh, I'm not interested so he said uh, no no I'll read it again and, yeah. and I said well I want to you know there's some change to to be made on the script because the script was not you know and he said no problem no problem and so anyway to make a to make it short, um, I said yes, and I got into that movie, you know, um, wanting to do something interesting. I knew I knew Dolph a little bit. He was attached to the film when I when I got, and so uh, I I knew about him a little bit. Um, I knew also some stories about Dolph. So I I you know I was well informed informed before getting into. Uh, on set with uh, with Dolphin, but he was absolutely fantastic. It was great. So, uh, but that's that's pretty much how I came up to film. It's really by uh, music video and advertising after. Well, now looking at at a project like Dominion, because I mean, yeah, this is your this is your very first like real directing job, at least you know in terms of a film. Were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you a combination of both those? Um, yeah, I was, yeah, and, 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 yes, I was nervous. And in the middle of the shoot, on, on top of it, uh, from the food on set, I got uh, salmonella. So I was like sick like a dog for a week. So I know when I've watched a movie, I know when I was sick. So I could see that I cut short some, some of the scenes, like I just, I didn't do as many uh, camera angles that I would have loved to. Didn't work, you know, because I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, over maybe 105 degrees or 110 degrees in the fever on set, and uh, and I didn't know I didn't have the experience, and you know, I didn't want to stop shooting. Now I know I would say to the producer, "Sorry, I'm sick. We're we're sending down for three, four, or five days, whatever it means." But uh, um, but yeah, I, I, I was nervous, but at the same time, you know, I was I was young, so I was a little bit cocky, you know, thinking, yeah, I'm going to do a cult movie with it, you know, which, uh, you know, it's it, some places, uh, not like uh, it is a cult movie now, uh, but I mean, that was, you know, not everywhere, but uh, um, no, I was, it was nervous. It, it was uh, telling the story, making sure that you know, what's 
uh, of course, now I'm looking at the movie, and you know, if I would shoot it right now, it would be a completely different movie because I learned to tell a story. You know, I knew, I knew it a little bit, but not as much as I would know now. So now, with regard in in terms of uh, sales and marketing and whatnot, I'm curious what what Dolph brought to the project because. At this point in time, you know, 1997 to 1999, Dolph Lundgren maybe wasn't a theatrical headliner anymore, but he was still really driving the, the independent action market. Did did his presence, you know, him being attached to this project, to bring about, you know, a, a ton of a ton of sales and marketing and things like that when it was in pre-production? Well, it 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 did. You know, like it, it's very different than now. At the time, um, a lot of movies. They were going directly to DVD, but that was a big market. That was not a small market. Um, you know, it's it's probably for certain movies right now. At that time, they would have you know put as much money to to get to get it on DVD as, as some movies right now that are on big screen, um, because it was a big, big, huge market. And in fact, I mean, from the numbers that you know, it's always hard to know. Um, especially with uh, with um, some some um, distribution company, but uh, it's it, it made about three million dollars. So for a movie, I think the budget was you know I'm trying to remember exactly, but I think it was something like eight million dollars. So it was a huge success in in terms of the money um, at the beginning when we like the money was already there when I came in so there was no um, because he was attached to it and Dolph was attached to it um, you know at the time you know he was still like you're saying you know a, you know a pretty a fairly big name not necessarily on on movie theaters but uh, on DVDs so he was able they were able to raise enough money to do to do this movie I mean if you ask me, I would have loved to have more money. Like any directors would say that to you, but especially when it's a an action movie like this. I mean, I had at the end, I think I had thirty six minutes of fight, uh, which is is a lot. You know, for a budget like this, it's it's a lot because it takes a long time and you know to shoot it and you know to prep to prep it and everything. So, um, but I don't remember, you know. Um, Anything you know, like money coming more after after I came in, there was no nothing like that. Um, the only thing I know is I, I and I lost it. That was great. I, I had the poster of uh, Minion um, in Cannes when they sold it uh, in Cannes. So that was very, I lost it. I don't know where it is now. And it was all with, with Cannes and everything. So that was very interesting. Especially it was my first movie. So. That's funny because I actually had that exact same poster at one time hanging up in my room when I was in high school. So, oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's um, funny. You know, well, I've I've heard I've read and I've heard rumblings that you know the film was not the easiest production, especially in terms of budget. And you already kind of mentioned the fact that you had gotten uh, uh, sick on set. Were you up against any other troubles or difficulties while filming? Um. Yes, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe I should talk to my lawyer. But uh, yes, there was. Uh, you know, it was more with the uh, because there was two producers because that was uh, the film was shot in Montreal in Israel 
uh, in New York City. And um, so we were supposed to go and shoot in Israel, and but there was so much trouble in Israel that uh, we're not able to get insurance for me to go. So I didn't go. I spoke to a second unit director over there. And um, and uh, so they shot it. Avi Nesher, who's Israeli, went to Israel. Uh, he was there with the director and stuff like that. So I didn't have that control for that sh- part of the shoot. And it, when it came back, uh, that was, you know, maybe he did about, 15% of what I asked to do. So I was not really happy because I said, well, I gave you, I, we had meetings and everything, you know, and after there was all kinds of reasons why and stuff like that. But uh, in, on top of it, I mean, at one point, um, we were, they wanted to cut my budget. I was in the middle of shooting. They wanted to cut my budget by a million dollars or something like that. And I said, no. I said, I can't get into a movie knowing that I'm doing this and this and this with a certain amount of money. And already you know, the budget was not very high. So I said, no. So there was, you know, some some fights over there. And uh, also the producer, I think they, I'm trying to remember all, I mean, for a very long time, I tried to not to remember these things. But um, uh, now that you're asking me, um, there's... Um, I think there was a question with uh, with the title because I think the uh, the movie in Canada is not the same title as the rest of the world. It's not called The Minion. Uh, it's called uh, Fallen Night. Right. Uh, because there was a question of of, of um, I think okay I'm not totally sure. I think it was a question of of credits. Um, for 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 um, uh, tax 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 credit, and I think that uh, with the minion they were not, you know, you know, I'm not totally sure, Sean, uh, about all of this, but um, it, there was some trouble there. Um, for me, it was just like um, a, a little bit of fight in the edit, but you know what? Every movie is just like this, so there was not. Totally, it was not particular to that movie, which is the way it is. Um, you always, uh, you know, try to get your cut and stuff like that. And I didn't have the, the final, the final cut. So uh, at the end, you know, there's some decisions that were mine, but uh, they, they, they were not bad in respecting my my cut. It was not, uh, well, we're not too far. There was a couple of, of places that I, uh, I didn't, I was not. Uh, happy with um i didn't i you know i was forced to take um a company to do uh to do a special effect and i didn't agree with it and i didn't i didn't like the, the special effect in it but you know again you're like sometimes and and again i was i was young that was my first film so i didn't want to uh you know to shake the tree too much so again that would be different right now not that i would be difficult, but you know more what you're, you know, with experience, you know what you want more, what you're able to do, what you're, uh, you know, what you're entitled to do and what you're not. So that that was, you know, it was not big, big problems, but it was, you know, some problems. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, because, you know, here your film, I mean, it's a supernatural film. So you, of course, yeah. want it to look as 
best as possibly, you know, best as possible with what you have. But, you know, unfortunately, if you don't exactly have the budget there and everything like that. And it's funny you mentioned the special effects because, yeah, I would think that doing a supernatural film, yeah, you want you want the special effects to be as, as good as they possibly can, right? Absolutely. And that, that's, I mean, like I'm saying, if I would do the movie now, it would be totally different. But um, part of it was also, you know, the, the 1990s. You know, it was really like there's some ways it was shot was really 1990s. I would not shoot it like this now, but at the time there was the way you know you had uh, just the same thing with uh, the music. It depends because the the the, um, the movie in Canada has a different music than the rest of the world. Again, it's for for a tax credit, and the musician. Um, uh, in Canada was my my musician. The 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 rest of the world was not my musician. It was from Los Angeles, um, and somebody I didn't know, and somebody I had n- nothing to say about. Um, not that he did a bad job. I'm not I'm not even judging that. It's it's different. Um, the music that I had was uh, not as uh, classic uh, classic. Um, action movie. It was a little bit more like a because yeah, you remember the movie Nikita, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So the the French the first one was a, uh, done in France and it was it came out you know maybe a couple of years before you know, I don't know I can't remember when it came up but um, so the music was more on par with that kind of music was more like a, a little bit more trendy um, my music that I had so. It, it changed when it became the other one, and, and the other version, I was I didn't have any say because that was not the Canadian version because I was linked to the Canadian version because of tax credit. So that's why I didn't control many things of the, uh, well, not many things, but a couple of things from from Dominion, and the music being one of them. Well, you know, the, one of the things that I find interesting about this film is, I mean okay, you're the director, you're the one uh, running the show, right? But you're also a first-time director and you're doing a film with, with Dolph Lundgren, who, you know, who is a big name and I imagine, you know, carries a lot of weight on set. Because of, because of the fact that you were fairly new and you're, you know, directing, you know, a, a presence like Mr. Lundgren, w- were you forced to compromise your vision for the film at all? I mean, did did Lundgren get a lot of say in the making of the movie as well, or were the two of you kind of on most for the most part on the same page? You know, this uh, I'll, I'll tell you two two anecdotes. This this the two, two little stories. The, the first one is we're in prep. Um, Dolph arrived, and he's I think he arrived maybe a week before. I think a week before they did the shoot, and uh, he's in my office. And um, he comes and he says, Jean-Marc said, uh, uh, you know, the script and everything, okay, good. And we got along very well right away. But at one point he, says, he said to me, he said, uh, I don't want to talk in the movie. He said, I don't want any dialogue. And I looked at Dolph and I said, okay, but I'm not doing the movie. So I started to pack my stuff. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that movie with you not talking. I said, first, I don't understand because it doesn't, it won't work. Like, it's going to be like, you're going to be a mine. I can't do that. Uh, And second, I mean, you're, uh, 
you could deliver the, those lines. That's not a problem. I've seen you in the past. You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't try to make him think that he was Robert De Niro, but you know, he was. He's able to to deliver. He was doing some good stuff. So I said, uh, I'm not doing it. So I'm starting to pack, and he looked at me and said, No, 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 no. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, you know, but maybe we could get rid of some lines. I said, I have no problem with that. I said, let's look at it together. And what is, you know, not needed in the script, I don't mind not, not, you know, having it, but we have to have a strategy of why and what are you going to do to replace those lines? And I said, it can't be miming something. So, and after that, um, Dolph was really nice. I, we, we, didn't, we never had any problems. Uh, I mean, I also had my spy in, in the city to make sure that he would not, you know, come in the, uh, at his house at 4 o'clock in the morning and leave to set for 6 o'clock in the morning. So I, I, you know, I, I knew that, you know, Dolph likes to party, and so I was just, you know, be very careful. And during the shoot, we, uh, you know, we, we, like I said, we get along very well. The last day of shoot, yeah, one of the, the last week of shoot, like yeah, shoot, like one of the day, we um, we're shooting the final scene. If you remember the movie, it's when uh, he just killed the beast, and and uh, the girl comes to see him, and uh, he's got his last speech, you know, of the movie, and uh, so we're on set. And uh, and Dolph said, you know what? Let's finish it like it's a comedy. And I said, but Dolph, it doesn't it doesn't work with what we just saw, what we just did. Uh, you know, it's, and it's never been a comedy. There was a couple of lines that were a little bit funny, but it's not like it's not a comedy. So that's the only time that we had a little bit of, you know, a uh, it was not even a fight. It was just tension. Till I said to him, you know what? Do it the way you want, and we'll do it the way I want, and we'll decide after what, what we're going to do. But the funny thing is, you know, when you're on set, um, you've got PAs, and on movies, they come and go. So sometimes they do three days, sometimes they do five days, sometimes they do the entire film. And there was a, a PA that was there, and he was there just for that day. And he saw that him and I, we, we had tension. So after he went and spread the rumor that this, they, 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 it was really tense on set. So everybody thought that the entire film, the tent, entire shoot, it was tense, which it was never. We, like I said, we got along very well. You know, even after that movie, um, Dolph was going, he, he, uh, he was shooting a movie and he specifically asked for me to direct the movie. So, and the producer to call me, and I, I, I turned it down, but nothing to do with uh, with Dolph Lundgren. But it's just like, just to tell you that, you know, rumors, you know, from the set goes very quickly, and everybody says, you know, it's like when I hear that some actors, they're, you know, you know, assholes or stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, I always take it with a grain of salt because you never know where that, rumor comes from, you know, but that was, you know, that was, you know, the, the only tension that we had. So there was nothing. Ooh, 
his holiness disapproves. Why does everything fun have to be so bad? There is no joy in sin. How would you know? You ever sinned? So, tell me, Sir Knight. How do the boys back at the Templar frat house hang loose? My brothers and I pray and prepare. What do you do? Play war games? <laughs> How does one join the Holy Hit Squad? Is it hereditary? For some, others are recruited. Were you? Did you have a life before becoming God's warrior? I've always been a warrior. But not always for God. Well, it's a ton of fun seeing you pop up in the film as the, uh, as the talkative cab driver. I thought that was kind of <laughs> cool. Do you want me to tell you a story about that? Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah. If you're willing and you have time, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. Two things. Um, first, um, you know, I said from the beginning, I said to to Dolph and to all the actors because we did we did some read through and and I said there's only one thing that it's my pet peeve: actors that don't know their script. I go berserk. Except that, like, I'm, I love actors, and, but I said if you don't know your script, you can't act it's impossible you're going to search and, or you're going to play like uh, Mario Brando with Brando it worked but he didn't know his script so that's why he was so slow to to give his line but it became a style for him so that was that was good for him but I said you know so I would have said oh yeah 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 so there was a role I said oh you know what I, stu- I studied theater a long time ago so you know I'm not going to do casting. It's very small. I'll do it. I've got long hair. I dye my long hair. So I said, you know, I'll do it. I get on set. I'm in the car. And now I realize, oh, my God, I've got 50 people looking at me, you know, because I have to do, I I don't remember. I think it's two lines. I think it was three lines that I have in the movie. And uh, so I say, you know, my assistant says, okay, and action. And I don't remember my lines none of them they had to give me some cue cards and we're talking about two lines or three lines so i looked absolutely stupid in front of everyone and everybody was laughing and for the rest of the shoot of course everybody was teasing me including Dolph, because he was in the back of the car you know and uh, he was just laughing at me so anyway after we 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 uh, we go in in post and uh, um, at that time, my mother-in-law, she, she was dying of cancer. So we had to do um, some, some, um, some sound in Los Angeles, but I had to be in Toronto. So um, I didn't go uh, to, to the sound I, because, my, like I said, my, my mother-in-law, was, she could have died any time. So, so they did the sound. So anyway, a week passed, and I go, I go to the... Uh, the, um, uh, the mix. So I'm there in the mix, big stream. And uh, I'm like, uh, oh no, wait, wait, I have to tell you before. Okay. As you can see, I, my first language is French. So I've got an accent, you know. And uh, so my wife, who's, who's English, you know, I was rehearsing the lines with her before. 
and uh, I was trying to have a New York accent. And at one point she said, you know what? Stop that. You're French. You're in New York. There's French. There's Puerto Rican. There's I mean, all kinds of accents. So just go, you know, you can't do the, you know, I said, well, five, $5. And she said, but it's not in the script. I said, okay, fine. So I do it with my French accent in on set. But now I go in the mix and I've got that big stream and uh, my scene comes and I'm starting to look at it and they, in Los Angeles, they, they change my voice for a Puerto Rican um, uh, voice. I couldn't stop laughing. You know, I would stop the mix for, you know, half an hour because I was so, I thought it was so funny that they changed my voice and they didn't, you know, they, you know they, they did it because they wanted to have, you know, the real accent from over there. But they gave me the choice. I could have kept my voice, but I said, no, 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 it's fine. I think it's 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 great, no problem. So it was, like, crazy. But the voice that you have in the movie is not my voice. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because I listened to your commentary on the, uh, on the, the Blu-ray that was put out about a year ago. And, yeah, you do allude yeah. to that in the commentary that uh, – that, that, that the that while that is you on screen, your voice is dubbed for that brief scene, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh oh, you you got this the the Blu-ray. I did it last year, and uh, I'm still waiting for a copy of it. They didn't they didn't send me a copy. They were supposed to send me a copy. They didn't send me a copy with a commentary. Do I do I sound stupid? No, no, <laughs> no, no, not oh, at all. You won't tell me. You too. You too nice. You're not. You're not no. gonna tell me, but. No, it's, you know, that was the thing I was going to ask you was because, yeah, just last year, Kino Lorber put out a, uh, a special edition Blu-ray um, complete, complete with you providing the commentary. And I did listen to it. And it's really kind of cool because, I mean, here this is a small little, you know, direct video independent action film that I caught 20 years ago when I was in high school. So to see Kino Lorber putting out the, uh, such a treatment for this small little film was, was a real treat. I'm curious. How did that entire thing come about? And did you ever think that this small film that you did 20 plus years ago would be making a comeback in a sense? Well, no, of course not. Like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, like, honestly, uh, like uh, a lot of things surprised me with that, with that movie, you know, the, the fact that it was, you know, sold, you know, many places. I never thought, I, I mean, you always wish, but it never thought that also it would make 30 million um you know it, it, it's also there's a, a little story also and I'm, I'm i'm with my wife in in argentina in buenos aires and uh we're there for a holiday and uh, we 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 go to a we, we pass into another video store and there's like a full rack of of minion there so i'm like oh my god i want to again i'm gonna i want to buy a version a, a spanish version and uh, and my wife knows I I don't want anybody to know I'm a director like I don't I don't want you know anything like that so we get inside and uh, with my you know a little bit of Spanish that I speak I ask you know can can I buy this uh, video and you know, and they said no you could only rent you know I said okay and I'm about to leave and my wife she turns and I was smiling she said he's the director of that movie so <laughs> the man said what. And he said, "You, uh, Jean-Marc I said, "Yes, I am." And he went back and brought the entire family in front for me to sign the uh, the, uh, the the DVD. So it was just.
funny. You know, I, I never expect anything like that. And, you know, it's like, uh, and last year when they called me to do the commentary, I, I thought that that movie was dead, you know, but not completely dead because I, I get some money from the DGA once a year, you know, and most of the time that money comes from Germany. Germany, the movie is still uh, huge. Um, for a while, it was huge in Sweden um, and South America. You know, so I mean, one once in a while, you know, I know that it's still out there, but I didn't, I didn't expect them to 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 get the movie, you know, out again on on Blu-ray. But it's it's great. That's why, you know, I I I'm still waiting for my copy. I would love to have one. That would be great. Well, you know, what's also interesting, because around the, the same time as The Minion, th- this is what I always found kind of wild. Around the same time you guys were filming The Minion, Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing an extremely similar film. He was doing the movie End of Days, yeah. which was released yeah. around the same time. Were you guys aware that um, Dolph's fellow action compatriot was also doing his own little religious action thriller? I was not. The producers, no. I can't answer for them. They might have known. Uh, but I didn't know, and nobody nobody told me. But you have to understand also, it, 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 I know it's not a long time ago, but it's still a long time ago in terms of communication because, like, I would talk to my producer by fax. You know, there was no internet, really. Uh, there's, there was few cell phones. So we, and we shot in 97. It came out in 98, but we shot in 97. So... I mean, the communication, you know, IMDb didn't, didn't exist. Uh, there was, you know, very few things. And if you wanted to have uh, uh, what's it called the, uh, uh, for the uh, entertainment, not a bar city. Anyway, to, to, to get that with the news from what's happening in Hollywood, uh, you know, if you're not in Los Angeles or in Hollywood, that could take a week, two weeks before you got it. Like, I know it sounds like crazy because it's not that long ago, but I mean everything boom now. I mean if you if we would do that right now, of course we would know. We would know there was another movie done by by uh, by Arnold Schwarzenegger because it was just different at the time. But like I'm saying, me for sure, I didn't know. I I had no idea. And also when you get onto uh, a movie, uh, it's it's like a train; you can't stop it. So there's what you don't have a life, you know, like you, you shoot from, you get on set at six in the morning, you get out of set at seven, eight, when it's a good day, it's seven, you know, seven uh, at night, you go home, you, you, you eat, you prepare your next day and you go to sleep. That, that's pretty much like that for a couple of months. So the, the exterior world, you kind of don't see it really. So I don't know. Like I'm saying, maybe the producers they knew, but I didn't. Yeah, well, you know, compared to the other films in your filmography, it's really interesting because The Minion is, is almost kind of a right angle in a sense because it appears yeah. that it's really the only supernatural action type thing that you've worked on. Do you enjoy the uh, horror and science fiction and action genres, or will you work in whichever genres come your way? Well, I, I, I like it, but, you know, it, it, it it's funny because right now I'm developing a, a, a kind of a dystopic horror um, TV series, and um, that should be pretty uh, pretty interesting. Um, but the, the thing is, um, 
you know, I, they, they, they asked me to do a lot of movies after that was pretty much a copy of, of, of what I did on Minion. And, uh, I, this is the last thing I wanted to do a copy. Like I hadn't, you know, I, I, I did some different movies after this. I've got many different interests in life and, you know, but for me, like one of my, you know, favorite movies is, is, uh, uh, The Shining, you know, and that's, kind of horror but there's you know a, do I like gore I'm like it depends again it has to be really well done you know and, and, and something special to it it's always the same for me that you know, it doesn't matter if it's horror or if it's a, a drama it has to be special if it's special if there's something creative and something um, you know original like I, I, I'll do it um, that's why, I, you know, I'm not shooting, I, I, didn't, I have not shot a lot of movies because, you know, a lot of things that I read, I, and I read a lot of scripts, it's not up there. It's like, yeah, there's something missing. And right now, um, the best that I have, that I see it on TV, it's not even on movies anymore. I think, yeah, you know, you, you go Netflix, uh, HBO, like, you know, they're doing stuff that even the movies are not doing, you know. Um, and the problem right now with movies is if you don't have $200 million, well, you better stay home because, you know, that's, that's the budget now if you want to, you know, if you want to compete with Marvel or anything like that, you know, um, except if you do some very small cults, uh, uh, I'm saying cult, but small, interesting um, um, horror movies. Like, uh, you remember one, I mean, it's a classic case, but uh, uh, what was this? It, um, uh, the um, uh, trouble with titles? Yeah, yeah, for sure you know that. It's it's there. It's like a, a full documentary. Uh, Blair, Witch, Blair Witch Project. Right, right, yeah. You know, yeah, the, the found that was, Yeah, that I would do any day, no problem. Um, but I see, you know, at one point there was too many horror movies. And it was not... Uh, you know, not as good. I, I like the old one. I like Exorcist. Exorcist is like one of my favorite movies. Like, I, I love that. Uh, Romero, Romero, you know, his movies. Like, that was there was something to it, you know. Uh, even uh, um, even um, uh, the movie from, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Polensky. He did the, um, uh, the vampire um, I, I don't know if you remember. It's an old, old movie, but this has something special to it. It was a comedy, but it was also horror at the same time. So they all have something, you know, completely different. Um, the one that I, I would say, you know, they're probably on part of these lately was uh, um, um, uh, It. It was very, like, well done, very efficient in all of this. So there's, you know, there's still some movies, but I just think that at one point, uh, all the producers, they jump on that bandwagon of making a lot of money, not paying um, money for the movie, not paying anybody, including directors and all of this, but making millions of dollars because, you know, it became a cult thing to have, to, to go and watch, you know, all of this. And, but the, the quality became not as good as it should have been. So that's so. It's for me. It's not. I'm against or for. I'm. I'm just 
for good movies that it's you know that or any other style. Yeah, you know, it's, it's gosh, it's it's unfortunate in a lot of ways looking at the uh, the current cinematic landscape and current climate that we have. Yeah, because it seems like producers and studios nowadays they almost want to go with the safe bet. You know what I mean? They they want to go with the films oh, that are they do. Oh, they based do. on yeah, you know they want they want to go with something that's based on an existing comic book property or some kind of franchise because they know that they're going to get their investment back. Whereas opposed to 20 plus years ago when you did a film like The Minion, you had studios going out there taking chances. You know what I mean? And you had you had directors and screenwriters who were given more creative control to make the films that they want to, wanted to make, right? Absolutely. I mean, right now with what I feel, I mean, I had a couple of meetings and it's like what they want, you know, like uh, Hollywood right now, what they want from you, it's like they, they want you to be just a guy who says action and cut and that's it. Like they, they want a machine and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's it's not as personal as before, but the, the fact also that the DVD market does not exist anymore. Well, Right now, uh, you know, like before, you were able to try some things because you knew it would go on DVD only. So they didn't have to spend a lot of money on TV to advertise. Uh, they just filmed like on big screen and stuff like that. But they were willing to try new things. Now it's like a, you know, first day, you know, you do you do a movie uh, with Marvel and it's two hundred million dollars. That's that's the budget, and that's the budget to to produce it after it's probably, you know, half a billion dollars to advertise it. So they need so much money to get in to do just one movie that they don't want to take a chance. Because if they have a, they take a chance, well, they could lose, you know, half a billion dollars. So that, that changed totally, you know, everything that you create. That's why everything switched to, to, um, to you know, before you would have never seen, you know, A-list actors doing television, but now they do it because the, the best script, the best the things that are, you know, taking the most chances are on TV now. It's, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, but that's that is the market now, and uh, it's it's too bad because, you know, the pleasure of going to a dark room, you know, and see on big screen. You know, it's not the same when you're in front of your screen at home. You know, it's totally different. It's a different experience, and you don't see things the same way. That's you know, that's what I think. Yeah, it's wild because 20 years ago, an actor, you know, an actor or an actress who is suddenly doing a TV show, so if they went from movies to doing a TV show, that was almost kind of, I don't want to say a kiss of death, but that was almost, at the time, oh, kind of like, so oh, oh man, this yeah. this actor, they're not getting the roles in Hollywood anymore, so they're revert, you know, they're reverting to TV. And then nowadays, it's almost if an actor wants to stay alive in the business and continue staying relevant, Absolutely. they they want that TV show. Or some they resent their career with TV. One uh, on a writer with uh, Stranger Things, you know, she was gone, and she did Stranger Things, and now she's oops, she's kind of back, you know, everybody discovered, oh, yeah, she's, she's a good actress, finally. Like, it, it, it happens, you know, it's like uh, uh, before, what was actors that were not, like, they were kind of fading away, they would do some interesting 
independent movie. For example, John Travolta with uh, with uh, Tarantino, like his career was completely like it was like no more John Travolta, and he did that movie um, with, with Tarantino and and became a big star again, you know. But that's now it's 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 like you're right. It's it's different. They were they were dying if they would go to TV 20 years ago. But now it's uh, I would say it's almost like a blessing when they go to TV. You know. But it's the same thing with director. When you have uh, um, what's his name who did uh, Fight Club, the director. Uh, um, oh, David Fincher. Yeah, Fincher. Fincher. When you have somebody like Fincher who's doing you know, stuff for TV, like it is uh, stuff on, on, um, on the, um, what's it called, this series uh, on Netflix, on, um, it's a, uh, it's a case on, on, on um, uh, murders, uh, on uh, um, uh, murdering series. Um, I can't remember what's the, uh, the name of it, but, a big name like him doing TV again, you would have never done that um, 20 years ago. It just everything has changed, and it's uh, part of it is also who's going to see movies now. You know, um, yeah. you know, it's 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 my kids. They go to the go and see those movies, but you know, it's uh, that generation. So they need now also in the movie theaters, they have to have arcades and they have to have so many things to interest people to go to the big screen that they don't want to take chances that it's not going to work. Especially now with COVID, you have studios essentially cutting their losses and just releasing direct-to-streaming, direct-to-VOD, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm hoping that that COVID thing will change also maybe uh, – the movies. I mean, I know. I, I don't know for you, but I know that here, what they did when they opened again, they put some old movies, and I'm talking about old movies like some of them was uh, The Shining. Some of them was you know movies like this in you know Plex that usually would play the Marvel, you know, but they didn't have they didn't have the, the new Marvel. So instead of putting you know the Marvel, the last Marvel, which everybody saw they went and the other way and they put some older movies on, on big screen and not, not, you know, that was old, uh, you know, shiny, but even some from five years ago or some that were not as popular and they're putting it back. And now it's like people wanted to go and see movies. So they took the chance to go and see those movies. So maybe it's going to change. Yeah. But I doubt it, but you know, I'm, always hopeful that it's not going to be a, you know, if, if all Marvel movies would be like the Joker, I would have no problem. Because I think that Joker was exceptional. But, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, it's, it's not, uh, but that's not the case. You know, and the, uh, I, I've got a lot of friends that are working on, on all those Marvel movies that they are shooting uh, um, here in Montreal. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, there's so much money, you don't even know how to spend it. It's crazy. Well, what else are you currently at work on? I mean, I know you mentioned that you're you're getting ready. Is it a a, a series uh, that is going to be on one of these streaming services, this dystopian series, yeah. or yeah, yeah. yeah. One one of them, the, this one is uh, 
for HBO. And uh, and I've got right now. I'm working on five. I'm developing five series. Uh, some of them are crimes. Uh, I've got even two comedies. Uh, these are my ideas, and I hire um, writers, and uh, we go to the network and we develop with them. So you know, we'll see. And some are English, some are French, um, because fortunately I, I speak both languages, so I could do both languages so but you know it's development so it's very very long um i've shot tv series um in the past and now i'm like uh, gearing up for this i've got one uh uh it's it's funny because it's been so long but uh i'm i'm waiting to know we're developing a uh a movie but it's a horror movie or i would horror slash paranormal uh movie and it's something that um, I wrote with with another writer, and uh, so we'll see what's going to happen. You know, it's uh, like I'm saying, it's always long. Uh, I'm in the I'm in the period of waiting right now, you know, to know if with finance and everything. But it will, I know it's going to be finance, but it's just like it takes a long time. That's uh, and that's the downside of of this business it's sometimes you just have to wait and you know i've got five like i'm saying five projects at the same time if they all start at the same time i won't be able to do all of them you know but sometimes you're a year without any project you know that's my case right now because i've developed those those projects since last in last in fact last two years so so it's just uh, it's just you wait and you, you know you hope for the best and that's the way it is you know um, but I refuse some stuff also because I, I I still don't want to do. I'm fortunate enough that I have enough job that I could refuse things. Um, you know, I I just want to make sure you know I do stuff that I'm gonna I'm gonna have fun doing it and it's gonna be uh, you know trying to be on par with what I have in my head. You know, and part of it is also budget. You know, you need. So I would not do like if you ask me if would I do Minion right now in the same condition as 1997? I would say no, absolutely not. I would not do it because to to do that movie we needed you know to do it you know because the, the subject was interesting. Everything was interesting. I I want to go a little bit more the uh, mythical thing of it. We couldn't we can we can do it because we didn't have the money. Um, so I would probably change that now, you know, um, but if they would have the same condition, I would not do it. That, that's a project I would say no right now because what it should be, the, the, you know, the, 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 the project and what the budget should be, it's not aligned together. So that's why. Well, at least you're able to do it at a time when, uh, when Hollywood was a little more free and they, and they, and they, you, you had oh, yeah. more, more creative range to kind of make the projects that you really wanted to make, right? Yeah, yeah, but don't, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm very proud of that movie. It's not that I'm not proud. It's just like, you know, when you have time after the thing to see, I've seen it with my kids uh, about a month ago. It's funny, I saw it about a month ago with my kids, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm a director, so, you know, I'm looking at the scene, oh, I, sh- I should have done it like this and this and this. That's normal. If I ever would be completely satisfied with that movie, I think I should stop being a director. 
because you, you, you constantly want to make things better. But also, I've got experience now so that I didn't have at the time. Uh, so I know what it takes, you know, to make it very, very good, you know, at least better than, than you know, it came out. I, I think it was, it was good. And I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of fans. It's, it's a, it's so like, it's really humbling for me to, to see, like I, you know, I received emails and stuff like that and people, they love the movie. So that's why I'm, I'm very proud of the movie, but it's just, you know, want to even better. That would that would be great. I wouldn't, you know, if they would ask me to do a, a second, a sequel to it, uh, and with the the good condition, I would jump on it right away, right away. And 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 Dolph, I, I like Dolph. I think he he was a lot of. We had a lot of fun, you know. So. Well, I know. I know yeah. personally. Yeah, I know. I know personally. I would love to see a uh, a continuation with the. Uh, what what was Dolph's character's name in that movie? Uh, Lucas, Father Lucas. Yeah, Lucas. I would I would yeah. love to see him. If if I can make one recommendation, I would uh, highly recommend that he gets to wear that cool glove throughout the duration of the film. Because when I watched it uh, on my most recent viewing, I was like, man, they, he he should have had that glove. You know, that cool badass spiked glove. He should have had that all the way to the end. And I like he loses it a little too early in the film. So if you, if you okay, do well, a you sequel, know you're not the first one. <laughs> You're not the first one, but I will say, um, you remember the first Alien? Right, yes. Okay, we didn't see the Beast. And we missed, like, we want to see the Beast, and, but that's why it was so good. And I think that uh, we didn't do it on purpose, by the way, that, that the glove would not be there. But it, it, you're not the first one. A lot of people, they say, oh, I love that. Where can I get it? Where can I get it? And I said, well, we produced three, I think two or three, that's it you know, for the entire film. So that was not a lot, you know, but that was a, there was a, there was a, there was a cool, really a cool prop. There was some cool props in this too, you know, and I, and it's, uh, I, when I looked at it a month ago, um, I remember for the, all the, uh, all the, uh, the clothes, the, the, the wardrobe, I said, I want to have texture. I want to have shiny. I want, you know, uh, so that way we always have something that, you know, almost glit- glitters and stuff like that. And uh, so it just it, like now I've noticed these things, you know, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. And you know, like some, some people, they, they always, you know, uh, I didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, I had some bad reviews, but not, not like crazy. Like uh, I had a lot of very very good reviews. I don't know, I don't know on your side, but I know for me maybe it didn't come to me the bad reviews, but I didn't have a lot of bad reviews, which is always you know nice. You made a film that I think you should uh, certainly be proud of, and you know it's it's been an absolute pleasure uh, uh, speaking with you um, today, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best with with all of these upcoming projects and and everything that is going on and. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time oh, to, to sit with me. Thank you very much, Sean.